Pietro, yeah. I'm really interested in, in the work that you do because uh, that's the most impactful work for our communities. When it goes down to engaging, especially with youth as well, but engaging uh, with communities to uh, deliver a story, to teach something, to educate, to inspire, and at the same time entertain. And this is what Viva Media Arts is doing. So much respect to that. Cool. Um, I kind of want to uh, drop a thought and, and share something with you. Just put it out there, right? Viva has been doing so much work for over 20 years now, right? Many, many years, since the 70s. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. really, really long time right there. How did you get in touch with Viva? What's the story there? In touch? Well, I, it's first time I went to Viva was part of a field trip when I was uh, in art school back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emily Carr field trip, and we went to, it was called Video Inn at the time. Uh, it was on Main Street when, mm. when I first went there. They've been at different locations since the 70s, of course, but mm. uh, we, were on, we went to Main Street and they showed us some stuff from their archives, uh, very strange videos, very, <laughs> very kind of weird experimental video art. Uh, and it was very exciting, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, basically having my mind blown as, a, as an art student, thinking, mm-hmm. like, look at all the crazy things you can do with video. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a straightforward traditional narrative. Absolutely. Um, much respect to yeah. all the artists that also step into this territory because it's not easy to step into a territory that's so unknown mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's so easy to uh, to just get lost also in the multitude and the different the, the different layers really that the, the medium of film can offer. Uh, so also a, a question to you, what is the best memory that you have of being part of the Vivo Media Arts community? Oh boy. I know there are many, I know there are many. Best memory? Um... I can feel that uh, the community here also listening to you uh, uh, somehow I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a big advocate for the people that do the work that you do, uh-huh. right? And uh-huh. I remember uh, stories of these workshops where, where you just record sound under the sea and, and, and you well, just so, put yeah. it all together. Well, yeah. So uh, actually last year, 2000, sorry, two years ago now, 2018, uh, we had a uh, mentorship that was led by Brady Marks, who has mm-hmm. the Soundscape show here on CFRO. Mm. Um, Brady and uh, several other mentors, they uh, over 15 sessions, they recorded the sounds of salmon coming back to Still Creek in Burnaby, wow. which, which runs by Vivo Media Art Center at our new location. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new location's on Caslow Street by Renfrew Station. Mm-hmm. So there's a stream that runs by there, and there are salmon that come back through Burnaby Lake, they go up the fish ladder mm. uh, because there's a, a dam uh, on one side of Burnaby Lake. Mm-hmm. The fish come up through the Fraser, th- through the uh, Burnett uh, River into Burnaby Lake, and then down into uh-huh. Still Creek. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> it's it's uh, they've been coming back there for the past eight years um, after like a, something like an 80-year absence. That's quite a process there. Yeah. Uh, all these salmon coming back. So we recorded the sounds underwater, and they also took the data... That had to, that uh, the data of all the fish coming back and how many how many chum salmon how many coho salmon <laughs> and they turned that into sound as well. And so they, in some they way did, we're did blurring the line here between science and and, and entertainment and uh, and just putting it all together. That's really fascinating. Man. Is it blurring the line or, or were they always blurred? I, I mean Ooh. maybe maybe we we're the ones who who try and distinguish things and they're not actually. I see what distinct. you mean. Well, I guess that speaks to the work also that you guys do at Vivo, and, and uh, that's why uh, so much respect and love for that community. And uh, I also, big shout out to Casey, right? Big Casey? shout out to yeah. Casey. Casey 
Um, yeah, I, I remember. That's the distribution coordinator. Yeah, yeah I, I remember meeting her at one of, the, of your events there at mm -hmm. Vivo, and uh, the energy that you guys have there—it's great. You guys have a really good energy with the community. So, uh, I, I also so many different things going on at Vivo. I, I'm only yeah. one little part of it as an education coordinator, but there's an archive, uh, Western Canada's largest archive of oh, experimental wow. videos. Uh, going back to the late 60s. I had no idea. Yeah, there's wow. also, uh, we, we do uh, equipment rentals, video and audio equipment rentals and facilities rentals. Um, Casey helps uh, artists to distribute their work uh, to festivals and libraries and things like that. Um, there is yeah, really there's, a lot. There's so, many, there's so many events and exhibitions and things. Yeah. So between all of this uh, work and these this opportunities that you guys create for filmmakers here in Vancouver at Vivo, uh, uh, I want to uh, explore what these uh, workshops are all about. Because I noticed that there are a lot of different workshops that people can actually go and, and look up for and just search and explore and uh, on the website. I want to take a step into this territory, the territory of the workshop, the territory of that engagement, um, and just uh, take a look closer what it means to engage with the film community. Um, what, what are some of the workshops that you guys are preparing up for the next few months? Yeah, so uh, we have lots of workshops planned. Uh, we're just finishing up like a touch designer workshop, which is a kind of program for uh, visual um, uh, programming mm -hmm. to, to control different kinds of uh, lights and projectors and things like that. We have uh, projection mapping workshops, cinematography workshops, uh, uh, music editing workshops, retouching, comp compositing, mm -hmm. uh, using Photoshop. We have a, an intro to synthesizers for women and non-binary folks. Mm. Um, That's really important, somehow mm -hmm. also creating these workshops that are reserved for non-binary artists, mm -hmm. that's that's really huge. Uh, I'm wondering also uh, how the necessity came to life. Is there a specific event that triggered the necessity to create these workshops? I mean, yeah, the necessity's been there for as long as... Uh, as uh, Artists have been excluded mm. <laughs> um, from from learning how to. Uh, so yeah, you know, media production generally is very male dominated, mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, so this, these are just we've had we've had instructors come to Vivo and um, propose these workshops just as a way to create uh, some some uh, comfortable space for mm -hmm. for. Um, anybody to come in and, and uh, learn how to... Which is them. phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really a great idea and, and again, much respect and love for that because uh, I haven't really seen that uh, happen around. It's something well, that... Is, uh, yeah, the, the neat thing about Vivo is that um, the, uh, the workshops are quite small. They're mm -hmm. usually capped at about eight people. Um, and uh, the, the space... Vivo is a place... The, 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 uh, the unique thing about Vivo is that we're not a university. We're not a technical school. Um, we can try a lot of different kinds of workshops. Uh, workshops that... Uh, so I invite people to come and teach a workshop mm -hmm. uh, on a topic that they're not sure if it would work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so experimental kind of pedagogies, yeah. ways of learning. Mm -hmm. uh, topics that might be not, not uh, possible in a university mm -hmm. or, or a place where... Um, people are taking something for university credit mm. or they're paying lots of money to take that course. At Vivo, 
uh, it's a nonprofit, so the, the, the workshop fees are very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the topics can be very um, experimental themselves. You're pushing the boundary of that engagement and that, and that education in many ways mm-hmm. through film, which is phenomenal. Again, this is bit, we have advocates for film as a medium and uh, video. So Vivo, historically, there's this <laughs> distinction between film and video, right? Vi- video as a medium historically is a lot cheaper to use than film. Mm. And so the, the kinds of artists and ideas that were attracted to video historically mm. as a medium, uh, I, I mean, nowadays the technologies are, are quite a bit overlapping, mm-hmm. but just to make that distinction historically, the people that were attracted to Vivo were, were using video mm. as a medium because they were outsiders or they were doing weirder things that <laughs> would be too expensive to do with film uh-huh, because I, nobody I, was buying these, these weird experiments. Yeah, right? I, really like, I really like the distinction that you make there and, and it speaks also to my, uh, to my young age in some ways. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean. But uh, looking at how uh, video and film, uh, the two different, the digital and, and, the, the, you know, and film, what a contrast, right? What a duality in these days and also what it means to explore that line mm-hmm. uh, in the content that we create nowadays. I look at directors out up there uh, shooting on film uh, as, a, as a celebration of the medium. And at the same time, I see independent filmmakers stepping uh, closer and closer to digital because it's more affordable, right? And then there are people that are really brave and can take a step and just blur the line, right? Uh, but going back to Vivo and going back to, to that video experience, um, I'm also curious to ask you, what led you to Vivo? Was there a specific event or a specific uh, moment in your life where you said, okay, I'm just going to dedicate myself to education and engagement? Was it a fade-in? What is a, a cut to it? Yeah. What, what happened? Hmm. Uh, how to explain this quickly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I, I came back to Vivo to work at Vivo as an education coordinator because I got interested in, in media education. Uh, and I realized that Maybe it's not like this for everybody uh, who's who's a creative person, but for me, making something and learning about something are are very much the same thing. Mm. Um, you know, being creative and uh, when I feel that I'm most creative is when I'm really learning something new as I'm creating something. Beautiful. The the two the two uh, processes are, are very overlapping. Um, I, yeah, if I'm making something and I already know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I really know what the outcome's going to be. That's mm. that's not that doesn't really feel creative to me. It feels more like um, I'm just following a recipe or something. Mm. Uh, I see what you mean. I feel you. I, it's so almost I think, like yeah. a like a necessity to also step into that space where everything is possible, where nothing is certain, everything is possible, right? Yeah, you're uh, you're going to broaden your horizon by by making something, by meeting new people, by collaborating with new people. That all that um, those are. At the same time that they are creative uh, processes, mm. they're also learning processes. For Absolutely, me. Yeah. man. Uh, I, I really resonate with this with this philosophy uh, that really celebrates game and play as a mean to learn. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, with video, when we create movies, in a ways, in a way, we are playing. Right? We are in the process of exploring and just playing with the frames and playing with ideas. When you interact with your groups that, as you said, are very intimate and and really create that space of comfort, when you interact with a group. Uh, what is the priority? What is the number one priority when people step into Vivo? What is the number one priority for people that are willing to join the community? And also, how can they join the community? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think everybody comes to be Vivo uh, for personal different reasons, of course. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, I think what I focus on when, when, I'm, when I'm helping, uh, and 
to clarify, my, my job as an education coordinator is not to come up with the content of workshops. Mm. We, we, we invite instructors to come to Vivo and, and bring their own workshops, and I help them develop it maybe for our context a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But, uh, or if somebody's never taught a workshop and they want to learn how, Vivo is a place where they can learn how to teach mm. as well. That's also part of the educational process. Um, and so uh, what, what I try and get instructors to focus on is not just... Uh, Vivo is not just a place where you're going to learn technical things like which dials to turn mm-hmm. and how to plug things together. That's important, of course. But it's also a place to focus on meaning as well. Mm. So not just, you know, uh, how do you focus the camera, but what does the focus mean to mm-hmm. your story? Because mm-hmm. there's no one right way to use equipment, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, some people might argue that. But, but you know, if you're going to use a certain angle, what does that angle mean? Or if you're going to position the mic in a certain place, mm-hmm. how is that going to change the meaning of your story? Because it changes the texture of your story, right? So, I see what you mean. There uh, you go. And that's also definitely a comment from someone who worked in sound before and makes music. And sure. uh, I kind of want to ask you also, what instruments do you play? Instruments? I don't play anything very well. <laughs> <laughs> I play a lot of things out of necessity, out of like the urge to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I play trombone uh, in a lot of bands. Yeah, I play... Wow. Uh, I've played uh, Balinese uh, percussion in, in a... A Balinese type of an orchestra. Wow, uh, that's incredible, man. From Bonn, yeah. percussion half having the booth, man. Give yeah. me that, man. I love <laughs> it. Louder, man. you got to hear yeah. it. Yeah, oh, I, I, um, I really, uh, uh, again, extend a big hug to, to people that work in this field and just dedicate their time and their lives to this type of education because a lot of people need it. And you will not believe how many people also have been inspired by simply being cared for when being taught something. Really, the beauty of that, that, of that really engagement, yeah. right? It's, it's so powerful. Uh, did you teach any workshops yourself? Yeah, so I've taught lots of um, audio workshops, mm. uh, sound workshops, Uh, sorry, lots of uh, sound workshops, audio workshops. Um, I've taught at the Vancouver Public Library. I was the resident audio expert there for, mm. for four months. Oh, uh, nice. I've taught at the Banfield Marine Sciences Center, uh, anthropologists. Ooh. I've taught them how to, um, how to, how to record uh, f- sounds in the field. Uh, wow, okay. Yeah, uh, and, and how to, how to uh, use that sound as data. Um, I've taught at... Art galleries uh, or art artist-run centers like the Western Front or Vivo itself. Mm. Um, and I've taught, of course, at uh, university uh, undergrad students. Um, wow. So there's yeah. really a big range. And, and before we take a break here, I kind of want to ask you also how you handle the diversity of people that you teach to because everybody has a different way of uh, absorbing information and, and somehow being educated how do you handle that is there a specific age range that you only teach to or you're open to teaching to everybody how do you approach that that's a really really fun question uh to think about mm. uh yeah so context obviously matters um Uh, my short answer is that I try and focus, I try and design the workshops as much as I can so that, um, so that the students are getting, uh, hands on as quickly as possible. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and they're, they're making mistakes as often as possible with me there so that they have to ask me specific questions that matter to them. Because it used to be that I would, you know, uh, talk for an hour and try and prepare them for every possible situation that they might come across and so that they wouldn't make mistakes. Mm. And then at some point, I realized how boring that was. <laughs> and uh, and I, I flipped it so that, actually, no, I should be talking for seven minutes 
and getting people to to uh, to just to get do hands it. on right away. Just yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. So so basically, in seven minutes, I I race through as many examples as I can of what we're talking about, the mm-hmm. technique or whatever, the history of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, sh- I show them basically what's possible. Mm-hmm. The, the point of me talking is just to show them what's possible, just enough so that I, sh- I talk just enough so that they can start getting going. I see getting what you going. You just give the minimum, uh, the minimum necessary to yeah. just uh, get them to make then, mistakes. Yeah, and then, mm. and then the important thing is to have an exercise where they understand what the goal is, very mm. clearly defined goal. So I want you to get to this point. And these are the methods I've shown you. These are the techniques I've shown you how to, how to do something like it. Mm-hmm. Now go for it. And, Beautiful. And so they, they, they engage right away. And, and uh, I get them often to work in pairs at least. Um, because I think t- in today's uh, era, digital, digital technology, it's very easy to make things by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so I, I always design workshops so that people have to work with one another. Mm. Just because uh, that human... Oh yeah! Oh, learning yeah. how to work with other people is is it's key. It's becoming a lost art form in a way, I think, because it's so easy to work by yourself. I see what you mean. That's a great point, actually, and I want to explore and touch base on the necessity of that human interaction, especially in a city like Vancouver. Uh, but uh, first things first, we got to take a break right here. We're really exploring the uh, beautiful territory, and I kind of want to thank also Hector for taking care of the mics out there. So big thanks to everybody and the amazing team here at Cop Radio 100.5 FM. This is Room Tone Radio Show here with the, the education coordinator from uh, Vivo Media Arts, uh, Pietro San Marco. Pietro, this is amazing. And of course, we're going to take a break. Just uh, just sing it all together. This is Masquenada by Sergio Mendes in Brazil, 66. So uh, please uh, enjoy this beautiful track and uh, we'll chat later on Room Tone, the radio show.
Eccoci qua, welcome back everybody, this is uh, uh, Room Tone, the radio show on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggiero, your host, and here we are with Education Coordinator at Vivo Media Arts, Pietro San Marco. Pietro, I'm really happy to have you here and just uh, picking back up on what we were talking about earlier the necessity of human interaction and human connection uh, that also you guys offer at Vivo uh, through video and, and that uh, sort of educational component to it. I want to ask you, is there a story that encapsulates this human connection? So we, we, uh, we have, as part of our, uh, with my education coordinator goggles, <laughs> I, I, try and, I try and see as many opportunities for, for involving people in a kind of learning situation. Mm. So not just programming workshops, or programming mentorships where people come and obviously learn things. Mm -hmm. But also, like I kind of mentioned before, having uh, uh, the instructors are also learning. Mm. Um, they're learning how, how to teach something uh, that they've never taught before, perhaps, that they're not sure if it's going to work mm -hmm. as, a, as a workshop, or they, they, they're, maybe they're totally new to teaching I see. altogether. Um, but we also have... Uh, so, like a lot of these mentorships... Uh, need to be documented mm. um, with photographs or whatever. Uh, so I've been um, past hmm. uh, past few years. I've I've been uh, developing this relationship with uh, Burnaby High School, uh, where they have a media arts program, mm. and uh, the the high school students get credit uh, at school for coming to Vivo and helping us to document. That's awesome there. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's, so that's they, really genius right there. It's great because uh, our budge budget's tight uh, to begin with. Um, and what I've, what I've realized is that uh, the students really appreciate um, having these high school students have... They, they want a clear uh, task, mm -hmm. assignment, which is to basically uh, document the workshop and produce three... We call them photo stories that they're going to share mm -hmm. uh, on our website. Uh, a photo story being like a collection of photos, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I can see that 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 sort of outreach and that uh, educational component, also for the people that are supporting Vivo in many different ways. And I can see that the team there at, the, at Vivo uh, is so diverse as well, right? The people with so many different skills and so many coming from so many different places in their lives. And I want to ask you also, mm -hmm. coming from sound and music, what's your story, Pietro? You you're coming from uh, Italy, or what's the story behind your uh, your trajectory? arriving all the way to Vivo boy <laughs> I know I know I know that uh, there is a lot to it but uh, yeah, so I kind of I kind of want to explore that territory my story I I uh, what do you have there yeah I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, so yeah I went to art school uh, graduated uh, and became a sound designer that mm. was what what interested me most but I was also just a media artist uh, so I went through the media arts program at Emily Carr. Um, okay. I, I did a lot of performance art with uh, a local group called Norma. Hmm, dancing? Uh, no, uh, performance art pieces. So they're kind of like sculptural uh, works, okay. time-based. They use your body in different ways. Okay, that's uh, pretty cool. To huh? create, yeah, to create works. Um, so uh, after after graduating, I became uh, yeah sound sound producer. Uh, recorded lots of bands. Did music and sound for film. Mm -hmm. uh, then I went to the Banff Center for the Arts and mm -hmm. did the, the um, sound en engineering uh, work study there. I see. Like a three-month thing. Man, this is a hell of a trajectory from performance to sound and music. And yeah. then at the end, education, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I moved to Montreal. I was working in a recording studio there. Mm. I moved back, uh, helped out at the Hive over here. <laughs> I was in a band as well uh, that oh, wow. toured the, 
that toured North America for several years, huh. um, playing trombone. And wow. uh, yeah, so I eventually <laughs> kind of plateaued. I, I always believed in uh, using the money that I had not to pay for school to learn something, mm. but to buy equipment and just teach myself. I see. And nice. I, I learned a lot of things that way. Um, but at a certain moment, uh, after after ten years of doing that by myself, I kind of plateaued, and I mm. I. I felt like I needed something external to challenge me, so mm. I I went back to school SFU and got my master's, mm. uh, and I studied um, I studied there with uh, Barry Truax mostly. Mm. Um, uh, so I don't know if you know at, at SFU there's the the World Soundscape Comp, uh, World Soundscape Project. Okay. Uh, started in the late '60s, early '70s. What what is that about? The World Soundscape Project, um, basically a uh, it was a collective, I would say that it's a collective, there's different ways of describing it, but I would call it a collective of, of uh, artists and uh, uh, some acousticians <laughs> and um, uh, composers that were were interested in learning and uh, learning and researching how, as humans, we use sound for communicative purposes. Mm. Uh, so, so listening to the, the world around us and listening to how we as humans design that sonic world mm. and how how we u- how we exchange meaning i'm i'm it sounds very abstract but what i'm talking about is i can see the passion in your eyes man i can see that i can feel it also sorry, uh, because you pick, you pick the words so carefully you know right? you know when you when you dive so deeply into something uh, <laughs> for for 10 years it, you kind of get lost in in how to explain it nice and concisely because <laughs> it's a very complex idea but mm. um it's basically listening to the world around you for the meaning. Uh, the same way that, that that you might talk about visual culture, mm-hmm. there's an auditory culture. Mm. And where do you think our auditory culture, separated from film, where do you think it's going right now in the in 2020? Oh, there's there's many cultures. That's that's the fascinating thing. You can't just talk about one culture. But uh, for sure, like, uh, if I have a concern, it's going to be about... Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, earphone listening, and mm. if you look out in public, there there's there's of course a lot of uh, private privatized space done through oh, earbuds, right? That's an interesting um, point there to explore. I'm yeah. uh, probably one of those people as well. I'm yeah, wearing me headphones too. all the time. Me too. What are the consequences of that? Why is that <laughs> something that worries you? Well, I mean, uh, you you're such a you're such an open person. You 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 walk down the street and you're you're. Uh, you know everybody on the street. It seems like you're always you're always talking. Uh, you're you're always available to to interact with people. And as soon as you put earbuds in, it it really shuts us off uh, mm. in a way that that uh, yeah we don't realize it. But our, we connect so much through sound mm. uh, uh, socially that as soon as you put earbuds in it's as if I were to be walking down the street just covering my ears like who's going to talk to me like that right <laughs> I see what you mean yeah there, there is definitely I'm really interested in the uh, somehow the subtext of that of wearing headphones and not realizing what's happening around you also through the headphones I've seen I've seen it with my own eyes people even for really sure. just being hit by a car because oh, they yeah. were walking and they didn't hear yeah, the, 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 sure. the, the, the honk which is kind of crazy also thinking about sound and music and, 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 and what headphones can do in that sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to explore that field a little bit more because we this is something that is relevant to all of us somehow we're all victim of wearing headphones at least once a day I would say um, and I kind of want to ask you your the impact that you personally have 
felt uh, from transitioning also onto the headphones. I don't know if when you were younger, uh, there was some sort of device as well that, uh, that would give you that experience, but how also the headphones have changed and transitioned in the past 30 years uh, and how that has impacted the way we communicate, the way we are. The transition from... from from when I was a kid, you're saying. I'm just, I'm just curious <laughs> in your trajectory, man. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's something that I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm willing to explore. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a difficult question because I, I don't know if it's just headphones or if, it, if I've changed as a person as well. Mm. I mean, obviously, different in many ways uh, from when I was a kid. But yeah, I feel like simple things in public space, like uh, waiting for a bus, and the chances of me talking to somebody while I'm waiting for the bus are very mm. slim now. Mm. Compared When I was a kid, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd... Conversations with strangers were much more frequent. And, uh, and that's, a big, that's a big deal when you're thinking about uh, public life, when you're thinking about meeting people that you don't know. Mm. How's that going to happen if you're, if you're not talking to strangers? <laughs> mm. that's, a, that's a great point there. I see that there is a lack of that here in Vancouver. We definitely need that. And I think that this is what helps as well, having these conversations and celebrating communities like Cop Radio or just getting, getting the love out there in as many ways as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and then uh, taking a step forward really willing to engage i feel that in vancouver especially from us coming from italy mm -hmm. and knowing what what it what it is to be there and what it is to be here we feel that difference oh yeah that cultural difference is huge yeah you go back to you, you i'm from palermo and mm -hmm. and you've been there and and oh, uh, yeah, i'm not man. sure I've, I've never been to torino is it torino yes yes i haven't been to torino i don't know if, how different it is from palermo man, but man, i love palermo man but i love palermo, palermo everybody your business is everybody's business. Everybody is up in each other's business. Like, there's no like privacy is is something that only happens when you lock your door and you're inside your own home. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just like everybody stares at each other. Everybody talks to each other mm -hmm. in the streets. Um, I think and that yeah, that's I mean, necessary. I'm a bit romantic about it because sometimes I, I get homesick for that. Yeah. Um, but. I'm sure that people there get tired of that. Maybe mm. <laughs> I think that's necessary, man. But, we we yeah. need to we need to have that that space of conversation. I feel it. I miss it, and I'm sure so many people miss it, but they don't know that they miss it. Yeah, and and then when it happens here, sometimes I remember during the Olympics. I don't know if you were here. No, uh, I was for the not. Vancouver Olympics 2010. Uh, uh, people were so excited because somehow, I mean, with all the the uh, things that you can criticize about the Olympics in Vancouver. Um, it one one thing that was very exciting about it was how open strangers were to talking mm. to each other. It was really <laughs> funny. Like you go down the street, people be high fiving uh, strangers. Like they'd be talking. There there are so many events that just would uh, spontaneously happen mm. in public spaces. What do you think it would? Uh, we, we, what do you think we would need to take that energy back in Vancouver? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> another Olympics. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're you're asking me like. You know, uh, when you get high and you want to like, when when you come down from the high, you got to try and remember that feeling so you can have it every day, even when you're not high. <laughs> you know, that's 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 put very, uh, that's a very interestingly put. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a shout out though to Vancouver, right? Especially in the winter, it, this city gets tough, and the warmth of the people around you is what is going to keep you alive. Is what is going to keep you sane, and uh, and therefore, big shout out also to people like you again at Vivo that turn technology into a way for people to engage with one another mm -hmm. so that's that's a big shout out there 
Thanks. to everybody. Yeah, really, really cool. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to head dive into a one-minute pitch right after the break. Oh uh, and again, before we take a break, one last question for you, Pietro, because I see that you're always engaged, engaging with people and interacting uh, uh, in many different ways with youth at Vivo. What is the piece of advice that you have to filmmakers or storytellers out there who are willing to engage with the youth? Piece of advice. Well, um, youth is is an interesting uh, category for me. It's an interesting concept. Um, it's it's important to so the way that I deal with the term youth often in my line of work is I'm writing a grant that is specifically supposed to be paying youth to do stuff uh, or paying paying for things to happen for youth and and it's important to to create that space where youth can have an opportunity that they normally wouldn't uh, you know in a professional setting um, at the same time it can kind of like have a negative effect of kind of sectioning youth off uh, from mm. the real world uh, I see. in a way that is uh, kind of patronizing almost you Ooh, know like okay. like oh you're you're a young kid you're not ready for the real world I see uh, so I think uh, it, it's important to uh, to create a safe space for youth to make mistakes mm. um, but at the same time if you're a filmmaker and you want to engage youth I think it's important to give youth real responsibilities um, you gotta it it's a it's a tricky thing so like when we get youth to document events for us i go into it um giving them a lot of creative uh decisions to make mm. they, they have a lot of creative freedom which means i'm not just telling them what to do i'm also asking them what do you want to do mm. uh you know i need this from you at the end we need this many photos but uh you you decide where to take the photos from you decide how to edit the photos mm. which photos go up and and give them like raise raise the stakes is what i'm saying I give them something give give them something that's actually going to matter in the world mm. uh you you tell them like you're going to represent vivo by taking these photographs mm. and and you're gonna i'm gonna give you the password to our facebook and you're gonna post them yourself wow and, and uh beautiful but but it, it it gives them a sense of of pride and yeah. and it gives them a sense of actually mattering as opposed to being like here's a little corner uh, go play, go play with your toys, and and you know. offering offering the the spark of responsibility to youth. I that's think, beautiful I think, yeah. because it in so many ways. That's what youth uh, is also asking for: stepping yeah. into adulthood in many ways. And in many ways, you look around the world, youth are leading a lot of movements and things like that. So mm. I mean, uh, I think as as a, as a filmmaker, or uh, it it might be difficult to imagine like how could I hand over, how could I possibly hand over my project to to young people. Um, so it's just the the challenge there is to try and design your project in such a way that the youth can contribute something real to it. Mm. And if they make some mistakes, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, I mean, design it in such a way that the mistakes don't drag down your vision. You, you have your part, and and you have you have some some way for them to contribute. Maybe. Your, maybe it's uh, certain images in your film, whatever it is. This is phenomenal because there was a quote, there was a saying that went like, uh, the best storytellers are not the communicators, they're the designers. 
So how do you design that environment to lead people to make the, so the choices that initially maybe you wanted to tell them? Uh -huh. But it's so much better instead of me telling you to do something, to design an environment for you to do something. Right. That's, uh, that's lovely and I love to see that there is that philosophy and that type of work at Vivo. And it's time for us to take another break. Uh, Pietro, man, this uh, time has been flying, man. Yeah. We've, we've been having a, <laughs> I've been having an amazing time talking and listening to you uh, here on Corp Radio 100.5 FM. Of course, this is Room Tone, the radio show. I'm Ruggiero, your sharp Italian nose, uh, talking movies because we we love it and this in the background that you will hear right now this is uh, George Ben George oh my goodness oh telephone to Cornova Menchi let's go from 1970s this is George Ben let's go Hello telephone
Eccoci qua, eccoci qua, welcome back everybody, this is a Room Tone, the radio show on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggero, your host, the Sharp Italian Nose, and we're here talking movies and what movies mean here in Vancouver. Oh my goodness, I'm here joined by Educational Coordinator at Vivo Media Arts, Pietro San Marco. Pietro, amazing. Uh, we've been having an incredible conversation so far. Why don't we step a little bit deeper, uh, step more into it, and uh, we have a one-minute pitch happening right now. So why don't you give us a one-minute pitch, anything you want. Are you ready? We're going to hit that clock. All right. Let's go. Three, two, one. Let's hit that clock. And this is the one-minute pitch for Pietro at Vivo. So I had about one minute to think about this one-minute pitch, too. So here it goes. Uh, yeah, Vivo. Oh, boy, the clock. I can't listen to that. Vivo, uh, Vivo has, like I said, Western Canada's largest archive of uh, experimental video art and independent documentaries. You should come check them out. Uh, it's it's like a very rich source of um, of the craziest things you you haven't seen. Uh, so uh, it was started in 1970. 1970. Uh, there was like a, a conference in Vancouver that brought together artists from all over the world to talk about this new medium called video mm -hmm. and the possibilities for using it as a creative uh, uh, expression and. And uh, the tuition to get into this conference to discuss video was uh, was depositing a work. So you should come check them out. They're amazing. There you go. There you go. And that's the one-minute pitch. That's the one-minute pitch right there from Pietro uh, about Vivo. So please, everybody, check Vivo Media Arts. And uh, I want to I want to go for another shout-out. So uh, we're going to make sure we put the website of Vivo in the description of this podcast mm -hmm. as well on roomtontheradioshow.com. And uh, really, again, so much love for the community. You guys at Vivo doing incredible work and, so and, and really Thanks interacting so and engaging. So uh, much respect for that. And because we're reaching uh, the end of this episode, I believe it's time to go to the to the Proust questionnaire. So we're going to pick five questions randomly out of the 35 questions that Proust wrote down thinking they, they would dig down deep. Oh, Proust. Yeah, Proust. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, amazing. You got the French novelist in the uh -huh. town. Beautiful. So the first question of the Proust questionnaire for Pietro is... Oh, boy. <laughs> what is your greatest fear? We're going deep, man. We are going oh. deep. <laughs> we're grabbing the oxygen mask. We're going down deep. You ready? So, yeah, I've... I've I've had I, I had a child. My wife gave birth to a child uh, in July, and um, a lot of fears come with that. I think uh, about what 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 we're doing, bringing another person into this world, and uh, uh, is that is that fair to that person? A <laughs> uh, lot of things have changed for me in that in that way. Um, wow. Okay. I don't know that 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 I. You can imagine some of the fears that I have around that, but um, we're going really deep over here. It, it's it's difficult. I I mean I swing very quickly between uh, feeling scared about the future for this kid and uh, uh, what they're going to see in their lifetime happen happen to this planet and to their to their social world. Um, but um, but on the other hand. Uh, my my optimistic side says well we need we need somebody amazing like this new person in the world to to make the world a better place that's that's all i can focus on oh man i can yeah. feel the love in these beautiful words and thank you also <laughs> for sharing this and, and making yourself vulnerable i know that it's not easy to talk about this and so i really respect that and again uh, so much respect in the room today oh my goodness it might be like the fifth <laughs> time i said this today wow wow so cool so cool but this means you're in the right place you know i love it second question for the of the Proust questionnaire for pietro what do you consider your greatest achievement 
Yeah, man, we're, go- we're going to... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's the go. The top of the list, huh? <laughs> I mean, it'd be obvious for me to say this 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 child again, but... <laughs> I love um, it, I love it. Uh, my greatest achievement... Um, I, I feel like I have a good a good uh, a good collection of 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 friends around me. I mm. think my my friendship circle is nice and and tight. I really like my friends. They like me. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Not, not everybody can say that, and yeah. that, that really speaks to the the, the well being of the community around you. That, that mm-hmm. social well being it's mm-hmm. so key again to. I who feel we are. very lucky. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful, man. I love it. Yeah. I love the words of gratitude, man. I love it. Wow. <laughs> and this ties back so well to what we were talking about earlier in the conversation, uh, the necessity of connection and engagement. I can see that uh, those values resonate, so that's 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 mm-hmm. awesome there. And that's mm-hmm. leading us to mm-hmm. the third question of the oh, Proust questionnaire, which goes, who are your heroes in real life? Your heroes who in real life. Who are my heroes? Oh, yeah. In real life. Uh, sorry, I mean, this is going to be... <laughs> every question is going to relate to my child, my new child somehow, I'm sorry. But, uh, so my wife gave birth to, to Lucia, our, our daughter, at home. And, uh, holy cow, like, uh, my, yeah, Kate uh, is, is definitely my hero. My wife is my hero. Having seen her give birth with, with, uh... Yeah, no medication. Uh, it's just, I mean, not the the situation was right that that was able to happen at home, but um, mm. like total, not just hero, superhero for sure. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it's 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 an amazing thing. Um, you said three. No, no, no. Oh. You're here. No, no. Just just who oh, okay. are who are they? And, and that's a beautiful answer. Uh, yeah, my parents. Answer. My parents are also my heroes. Uh, they they've. Uh, and now that I am a parent, I, I I realize like how much they they put out for me, how much they they've done for me. Um, uh, hmm. Yeah, I just feel a lot of love. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. I can feel in the booth over here too, and uh, <laughs> it's something that I've always heard from my from my family as well. To truly understand what parents do for a child, you have to become a parent, and uh, that's a big shout out to all the families and all the parents out there who are working hard and uh, giving that love to their to their kids. That's really that's really one of the key elements of education in many ways. Mm-hmm. Because there's uh, there's lots of ways to to be a parent too. I, I mean mm. I mean I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> There, there's some people who choose not to be uh, mm. parents in the biological sense, mm-hmm, and they, they become parents in other ways. And so, I yeah, see. there's, there's definitely uh, lots of ways to, yeah. to raise a family. So. Beautiful. Much love to everybody out there. And, and, and this is Pietro, Pietro San Marco from Vivo. Man, oh my goodness. This is, <laughs> this is the vibes that you take to Vivo every day. Oh my goodness. Everybody <laughs> would love to, to be there with you. That's beautiful. And that's ringing the fourth question of the Proust questionnaire for you. This is interesting. This is. Uh, this I is hope it's not about Proust himself because no, I haven't read no, a lot. No, no, it's not about Proust <laughs> okay, okay. It's a, a, at all. This is. Okay. This goes like this: If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? Haha! <laughs> Let's go, Pietro. Let's go. <laughs> it what do would we have be there? a dog in a seaport, uh, a port in Palermo. Oh! In the 1950s, probably. What a man! If I could travel back in time. Wow, man! What an answer! Yeah. That getting, be... getting, getting, getting treats from sailors uh, at the port as as like a dog that just hangs out. That would be a good life, I think. Yeah, yeah, it would be good. Also, the the dangers of of those uh, angry palermitans yeah. uh, <laughs> going to those dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, that's a great answer. It could it could be a whole movie from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. there we go. And uh, this leads us to the fifth question of the Proust questionnaire. Ooh, wow! With everything that you've done in your life. All the things that you have uh, you have been participating in, 
Mm. The question goes, what is your favorite occupation? Mm. You can say whatever you want right here. Every, with, with all the things that you've done in your life so far, from musician to performance to education coordinator to uh, sound to everything, the one thing, yeah. your, your favorite one, number one. It's difficult, but uh, I'll say maybe this is just nostalgia, but, but playing in a band, a touring band, is, is difficult and sometimes feels like aimless, but it's a lot of fun and... When it's good, it's really good. Being on stage with your best friends, which I was, uh, and uh, connecting with, with an audience, mm. uh, and traveling around and having nothing else to do but that is pretty, it's, it's very special. It's uh, kind of self-centered a lot of times, I feel <laughs> like, but, but uh, that, that, was, that was a really fun occupation for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's great to hear, man. I, I so many good memories. Yeah, uh, I feel that the life of the musician is is has so many different colors and levels of sure. saturation that oh, yeah. uh, uh, also brings a lot of light and, and and somehow excitement. Right? It's great to hear. It's great to hear. And now hearing that from a musician who has toured around and has gone around, and uh, I also hear so many stories about hell of traveling around oh, yeah. and doing that. Oh, it's hell for sure. But <laughs> hell is interesting too. <laughs> that's good. That's well put. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for that. Wow. We're reaching the end of uh, this whole episode uh, but before we wrap everything up uh, I want to uh, ask you your piece of advice for independent filmmakers out there so we're talking about filmmakers the people who are listening to us right now even people who are not necessarily filmmakers but storytellers people who engage with communities what's your number one piece of advice for 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 storytellers out there yeah it, it the nature of the question means that the answer is going to be very broad but uh, <laughs> I, I would say for for anybody who's who's telling a story, uh, just to, to focus on on, uh, we've talked about this before, but but focusing on what matters, uh, I think, fo- asking yourself as a creative person, why why does what I'm making right now matter beyond just myself? Mm. Thinking about why 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 would other people, how is this going to benefit um, other people, mm. uh, and. What is it? What is it that makes this story unique? And and try to really uh, focus in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why Why does it matter? Who cares? It's so That's tough. A, a plain way of saying is who Who cares about what you're doing? That's true. That's true. It's so tough also to find that unique angle. Because oh, it's not easy. It's so there's there's so much content. There is content overflowing all over yeah. the way, uh, all over the place out there. Uh, do you have uh, Do you have uh, any uh, any comments on finding that unique angle? For yourself and your stories as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, research. I, I think it's just luck a lot of times. Um, research, yeah. I think uh, starting, starting. I, I often think maybe it was a teacher actually who taught me. You start with something uh, personal. Mm. Your your personal story, your personal connection to whatever the, the story is. Uh, and then research the history behind that that story and and broader context of of how where that story takes place, mm. and and then try and connect it to to a, a wider relevance. Um, mm, from particular to general. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think both things matter. I, I think keeping your story too general is no good. Uh, I see. People want want your personal input. 
maybe from right. specific to universal. Maybe that's that's a, a bit of a. There, there's different ways of describing <laughs> it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, could be. Oh my goodness, man! What an insightful conversation here. We've been having a really uh, deep conversation, and uh, I really ex- uh, appreciate also your vulnerability and your oh, courage thanks. of stepping into this. Uh, <laughs> you don't. You make spaces. me feel not so vulnerable. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that. But uh, again, the work that you do at Vivo is uh, is much needed here in Vancouver. Great. So uh, because we're wrapping the episode over here, uh, I just want to give a big shout out to all the people working at Vivo, to all the people engaging with youth, because that's the future. Uh, and uh, we all know it. And uh, if uh, we uh, we disregard that, we do a disservice to our future, not only our own personal future, but the future of our communities and our kids as well. And so a big shout out to Lucia and your family, Pietro. Congratulations. <laughs> shout on that. out to Lucia on the radio. <laughs> that's yeah. beautiful. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and that's uh, her that, first. That's her first. That's beautiful, man. There's always a uh, first time, and uh, I'm uh, high fiving Lucia from a distance here in the booth, uh, uh, and uh, hugging his father here in the booth for sure. So that's definitely happening. And uh, people listening, people, oh my goodness, it's always a pleasure to touch base with all of you out there. You're listening to Cop Radio 100.5 FM. We're about to play some more Brazilian music because why not? George Ben, today I really feel like that George Ben feeling, you know, with uh-huh. this frame, got a little bit of saudade going on. So uh, we're actually gonna play George uh, Ben. This is Oba La Vem Ela. This means uh, there she goes. So oh. maybe this is uh, this is for Ruchia. There she goes, uh, uh, giving uh, um, giving her her soul to the world and just uh, uh, getting the the light out there because it's much needed, especially in places like Vancouver. Uh, so a big hug to all of you out there listening. This is Ruggiero, your sharp Italian nose on Room Tone, the radio show. Catch you next Thursday, 11 a.m. Thank you, Hector, for taking care of the mics. Uh, much love to all of you out there listening. This is Georgia Ben. Let's go. Mas ela deve ter um nome
living in love.